It's the Americhicks with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. It's almost unbelievable that Trump has extricated the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. Welcome to the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Uh, We need to be having conversations with our friends, our family, our colleagues, because we are it. We're in a battle of ideas here, my friends. So be sure and check out my website, americhicks.com. Sign up for my emails. Uh, that would be uh, Americhicks forward slash um, Kim, and we will make sure that we get you on the list there. And uh, I will keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests and important events. I am the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering a conservatarian perspective. Uh, just wanted to let you know that we are starting Vino and Veritas Castle Rock. That will start on Sunday, March 31st. Uh, as you know, this is a, a, a great book club. We are studying, studying the Federalist Papers with Dr. Tom Cranawitter and uh, partnering with the Jen Hewlin over at Waters Edge Winery for the Centennial one, which is sold out. So be sure and sign up for the Castle Rock one. We do appreciate our presenting sponsors for Vino and Veritas uh, Waters Edge Winery in January. It was Harmony Ridge Construction, Rafe Patton and his whole group there building homes and usually making friends in the process. February's presenting sponsor was Susan Kochevar. She's the owner of the historic 88 Drive-In Theater, and she hopes to open at the end of this month. And March's presenting sponsor is Heidi Ganahl and her Free to Be Coalition, promoting free speech and diversity of thought. What a great idea. If you'd like to be a presenting sponsor, just let me know. Go to AmeriChicks.com forward slash Kim and fill out the form. So, Producer Steve, today's funnies, a little levity. A bank rapper. <laughs> a little. Okay. I'm glad you put that out there. A little. Go ahead. Because you've read it. You you know what's coming. So a bank robber pulls out a gun. He points it at the teller and says, give me all the money or your geography. And the puzzled teller replies, didn't you mean to say your history? And the robber says, don't change the subject. Oh I thought that was cute. <laughs> so, anyway, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, inspiration today, though. Maggie Thatcher, I tell you, Steve, as we look at what's going on down at the Colorado State House, also with what's going on with with Republicans who I think have lost their way, and that's why I've, I've changed that I am a conservatarian because I really think the founders had a, a real libertarian. Uh, tenant as well as wanted to to conserve this idea of freedom and human flourishing, the idea that individuals could go after their, you know, their life, their liberty, their pursuit of happiness, and uh, so I'm I'm just really concerned about that. So Maggie Thatcher said, "You may have to fight a battle more than once to win it," and is that not ever true, Producer Steve? Well, huh. Back to your comment or your introductory remark regarding the state house. To me, it you know this, this latest thing that came out is it. It reminds me of the shootout at the OK Corral. I mean, the bad guys are in the street, and the only way you can deal with it is to go out and literally block them. There's there's no 
attempt here to kind of you know work in a joint fashion well and uh, yeah definitely we have to hold the line i tell you those legislators um republican legislators down at the state house that do understand the principles and are holding the line i tell you what we need to tell them thank you every minute there are some some really great ones we had uh, susan beckman on she's down there john cook senator cook i mean they are doing their, they need to hold the line but we need to get our brains around what's going on we need to be talking with our friends and our family they don't understand you know life seems to be going pretty well you know they're taking their kids to soccer they're they're you know they they don't understand what is was actually going on so many people don't even understand this sex education bill 1032 you know which is 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 pushing forward a specific worldview which is the lgbtq worldview and uh, i really have always been a live and live and let live kind of gal but this has gone way past live and let live this is now affirming a certain lifestyle that uh, really goes against nature's law and uh, that that's not okay to be forcing that on our kids but we have plenty to talk about and i could have probably forgotten the joke today because you brought up what de blasio is doing in new york steve what's what's on your radar there more fun and games out of new york city we now have meatless monday gone i guess as a matter <laughs> of policy for the new york city public school system and you know, uh, it's, it's, it's following in the footsteps of Bloomberg, who was telling everybody what they could and couldn't drink. And now, you know, uh, De Blasio is going to follow up here. It's like, well, let's let's just alter your your diet on Mondays now. Well, right. And this particular this is Yahoo News, and this article, Mark Chambers, the director of the New York City Mayor's Office of Sustainability, says reducing our appetite for meat is one of the single biggest ways individuals can reduce their environmental impact on our planet. Now, now wait a minute. You know, they are implying that it is um, that it is beef that is creating all this methane. I think that actually all mammals create methane. And what about when the great bison herds were out on the plains and their great migration? I mean, there was a lot of methane that was being kicked up there. Or what about the dinosaurs when they walked the face of the earth? I mean, that was some pretty big methane that was being expelled there. And so they are using everything. They, they you know, like you mentioned, what you can drink, what you can eat. They're trying to constrict our energy choices. They're trying to make decisions on which cars we can drive, what we can teach our kids. Um, as we're going through the headlines, they just dropped, um, I think, the day, either yesterday or the day before, they pass a bill to, here in the Colorado Senate, they're passing a bill to reinstate net neutrality re regulations. And basically what that is, is they have all these, these fluffy words, but it will control the Internet. Now, you know, you've got and Google and Facebook and Microsoft, they are all for these net neutrality requirements because uh, they would love to have government regulate the, the Internet. The Internet has done just fine as in a free market. But uh, so then they want to, you know, constrict what we eat, what we watch, the cars we drive, the energy we use. Uh, these elites want just the regular people to just be in these little apartment boxes, not have cars, ride up and down uh, the light rail. And what kind of life is that? Why is it that they are deciding that for us? And that is not the role of government. And if we think that we cannot become Venezuela, 
Venezuela in the 70s was a prosperous country and it was government policy that actually has has made people there's not enough food there's not enough energy there's no coffee there's no toilet paper and it's because they are constricting the freedom of everyday people to go after their hopes and dreams and um, so I just as I'm looking at the list here uh, I'd like to get the family leave we may have to wait and do that tomorrow um, but once again they they are using government to in essence it's power and it's taking money out of our pocket and it's almost the death of the American dream by a thousand cuts so we need to understand this and talked a little bit about it yesterday with Reagan he had said you know if you're with me on 80% of, of you know the issues then you know we're friends however I think that that people have kind of lost their way in, in as much as I think they were talking about policy. They weren't talking about going after the American idea, the thing that was inherent in the U.S. Constitution. And so we need to stand pretty strong on that. Today, there is something very important going on, and that is down at the Douglas County Commissioner's Meeting, 130. It is at 103rd Street in Castle Rock. And that is the Douglas County Commissioners will be voting on a resolution opposing House Bill 19-1177, which is the red flag bill. And this red flag bill, I've read the whole bill, and it is basically, again, trying to, to say that they are protecting people from an unstable or dangerous individual by, in essence, going in and they can take all of their firearms without due process. The person does not know that they have been accused until law enforcement shows up at their door to take all of their firearms. And so it's it's without due process, which is in the Constitution, and then also search and seizure. Uh, we have a right to, you know, make sure that uh, people cannot or that government cannot come in and search our homes and seize our property again without due process. And this uh, 1177 goes totally against that. And it is so interesting that the Douglas County Sheriff Tony Spurlock has been one of the foremost voices for 1177. And Steve, I, I just hated to, to really find this out, but I was doing research last night, and there is a picture of him down at the State House with all the Democrats, senators, and legislatures, le legislators behind him. And it's like, wait a minute, our sheriffs need to be standing up for everyday per people's rights to be able to, you know, lawfully carry um, their firearms. And so this is very important. Today to be down at the Douglas County Commissioner's meeting, that is at 130 103rd Street. Be prepared to make comments. You'll have three minutes. So get to the point. Make sure that you know what you want to say. But the number one thing is, is this is in the First Amendment, or the, excuse me, the Second Amendment of the Constitution, uh, and that is the right for everyday law-abiding citizens to be able to keep and bear their arms. So, Steve, do you have a thought on that? Well, I asked you before, as we were leading up to, you know, going on the air, what is it about human nature, and, and then by extension, human nature and public figures, where they're in a group, a body, uh, you know, last week it was certain senators that weren't going to uh, back Trump and his emer emergency declaration. All right, well, all right, let's move to this week, and right here in Colorado, we're hearing about so many sheriffs around the state in their respective counties uh, who are basically going to institute a certain policy on this bill 
and they're all you know not for it but Spurlock gets up and says well I think I am why yeah, it, it, it is astounding but we need to make sure that we hold the line on this and thank goodness for these sheriffs that do that and we've got a big show planned for you today Jay Davidson with First American State Bank is going to give us his read on Trump and uh, Tabor and then in the third and fourth segment we'll be talking with millennial Stephen Kessler regarding uh, his move from uh, to a conservative, we're going to be talking about socialism with him. So before we get to that, though, Sunday it is Selection Sunday for March Madness, and as a KU basketball fan, I love March Madness, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Well, Hooters is the place to watch the games. Hooters specials start at $10 for a draft and 10 boneless wings. And did you know that Hooters wings can fly? You can have Hooters wings delivered right to your front door. When the girls come over on Wednesday nights, I order their new smoked wings. We love them because they are delicious and only half the calories. So order your Hooters wings to go or have them delivered right to your front door. More information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. And let them know that you know the Americhicks. This is Kim Munson. We will be right back. All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The AmeriChicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich & Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich & Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. Welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, we need to be having these conversations. Be sure and check out my website. It's AmeriChicks.com. That's where I am on Facebook and Twitter as well. We have a special treat for you right now. In studio is uh, Jay Davidson. He is the founder and CEO of First American State Bank. Love to get his read on what's going on in the economy. Jay Davidson, welcome. Well, it's nice to see you again, Kim. It's been a while. It's It's been a a while. Yeah, much too long. Love having these conversations with you because uh, there's such insight. You bring so much to the table. So let's talk a little bit about Colorado and the economy. There's a lot of wild stuff going on down at the State House right now. What do you what do you see? Is that going to be a problem for Colorado? Well, I tend to be a fiscal conservative. So I guess I do think there'll be some problems in Colorado. 
um, the constituents decided to give the Democrats and I would say a far left wing portion of the Democrats, mm-hmm. not the moderate Democrats, full control of yeah. both houses and the governorship. Um, and that was their decision, and I respect that. However, I'm very concerned at the continuation of the nanny government. I'm very concerned about the state's incursion into our individual rights, uh, additional regulations, uh, and uh, additional fees and, and so forth. I, uh, I suspect that Colorado's economy will remain strong for a couple of years until the uh, current crop of leaders, legislators, uh, get into Tabor. I'm very concerned about Tabor being changed. Uh, I do believe that controlling government spending is one of the most important things that uh, we as constituents can demand of our uh, state and federal government. And we've had a terrible record, both in the state and the federal government, on both the Republican and the Democratic mm-hmm. side. It's been a bipartisan problem, that's for sure. Absolutely. So, Jay, you mentioned Tabor, which is the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. It was passed by the people of Colorado I, over about 25 years ago. Right. An, an amendment to the Constitution, which it just makes common sense to me. In some ways, I'm surprised that we had to pass it, but basically it says to government... That if you want to grow government above a certain formula, and that formula, I think it's inflation and population, uh, then you have to ask the people. That seems like that makes a lot of sense to me. But politicians and bureaucrats don't like to ask the people because sometimes the people say no. And uh, so I think there is going to be a full-on assault on Tabor. Uh, Certainly Governor Hickenlooper, or former Governor Hickenlooper, before he left office, kind of took a parting shot at that. And now he's kicking the tires on maybe running for president, going all over the country to talk about this great Colorado economy. Jay Davidson, I would submit to you that one of the great things about the economy has been Tabor. I would agree with that. I I really don't see... uh... Mr. Hickenlooper, having had a lot to do with the Colorado economy, um, there's been a net in-migration here, and that drives housing. Uh, that in-migration is, is uh, created by new jobs. The jobs are created by the businesses. The businesses are very sensitive to taxation, not because they pay it. They don't. They pass it on to their customer, the consumer, mm-hmm. but because it makes a big difference in the the long-term uh, viability of our state economy. And uh, I, I'm kind of disappointed in Mr. Hickenlooper because he came across as a very moderate Democrat, which I can get behind, I can agree with him, but turned out to be relatively uh, extreme, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of that, uh, you mentioned, well, I, I'm going to say a lurch to the far left that has occurred with this last election here in Colorado. And uh, I'm not sure that this group of politicians could have gotten elected if they would have really run on what they were going to do. It is some of the stuff that's coming uh, before the state house right now is shocking to me. Uh, and I'm, I'm not sure that everyday hardworking people understand that what they got is maybe something different from what they thought they were voting for. I'm afraid that in analyzing the um, sweep, um, of the uh, Republican Party out of everything. I mean, Dave Welker, probably one of the finest sheriffs you could ask for. I know. Uh, George Brockler, an incredible DA. And, 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 the, and the attorney general we have that was voted in hasn't even really been in a courtroom. Never. 
I mean, his claim to fame is that his mother was a, a Holocaust survivor. And I respect that. I respect Certainly. his mother. Mm-hmm. What does he have to do with that? So I, th- there was a major sweep of the Republican Party. It was, it was devastating for the Republicans. I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, as I look at it, I, I think, you know, walking around, doing uh, Halloween with my grandkids, walking around suburban neighborhoods. Uh, and right before doing, election. Uh, right time before thing. election. And I see all these signs up on these suburban homes. And I think that there was a Trump effect here, a negative Trump effect, honestly. And I'm, I'm pretty pro-Trump for a lot of things that he does, and I dislike a lot of things that he does also. But I think there was a, a, a suburban housewife uh, change that went from a more conservative, a fiscal conservative standpoint to an anti-Trump standpoint. Now, I'm not sure how long that's going to last. I pray that Mr. Trump will continue to moderate his rhetoric, uh, which is offensive uh, to everybody. But, and, and, and that people start to look at what he's actually doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of good and a lot of bad, as I said. Tax reduction was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. That, that, that blew the economy through the 1.5% GDP growth that we had before. For, for eight years under Barack Obama and his anti-business antics, and now we're hitting it two and a half, three percent gross domestic product, and that, that's the aggregate of all production in the United States. This is a phenomenal increase, and we're seeing it all over Colorado and all over the nation. And the beauty of this thing uh, is that it it raises the level of income for everybody, and it puts more people in jobs, which raises their levels of income, and it takes more people off welfare, which I think is actually morally unjustified but that's a whole other discussion well we'll have to certainly we'll bite that off maybe next time that you're in but the point that you're making is this rising tide it lifts all the boats so no matter what the descriptor might be uh, black hispanic woman lgtb you know it's basically impartial to that absolutely and that is one of the things that if in fact this trump economy is given the real legs to continue on. I think that uh, that suburban mom is going to start to s- see some results. Like It's like, it's better for my kids. It's, I'm, I have more money in my pocket. My children, when they get out of, of college or when they get out of high school, they have jobs. And, and I think that if, if that is, you know, is enabled to, to continue on, I think that it's going to bode very well for Trump in 2020, and I think it's going to bode very well for the American people, no matter what the descriptor is. Um, I hope so. I really do. Um, I have concerns about the uh, voting public and the longevity of their memories. Um, I now I'm I'm about seven decades old, so I've been able to remember a few things. Uh, fortunately, uh, so I, I I think we need to continue the path on economic um, freedom because mm-hmm. to me, economic freedom is the first freedom. Um, and with that comes all other freedoms. Um, you sound like Maggie Thatcher. You know, that's yeah, what she said. Oh, you know, Maggie Thatcher. Economic freedom is the key to political freedom. Yeah. I met Maggie once at a DU event. Really? Very petite lady. But and For some reason, I thought she was about seven foot five. Exactly. But when she spoke, that woman was powerful. She was seven foot five then. She was seven five and muscles all over. Oh. She was brilliant. And... Uh, but a very elegant, very, very petite, very small lady. But what a what a mind. Yeah, you know, and she really understood that. And Reagan, 
uh, he understood that as well. He lowered taxes, tried to roll back rules and regulations. And and we, we actually were looking, we, we could almost see 4% GDP growth before the Democrats took you know, took the House in November. And uh, I, I see them trying to do everything they can to pull this economy back because if the economy becomes really successful, it's going to be difficult for them to continue to sell these socialist policies. I, I wonder if they are unaware of the net effect of their socialist policies. And I also wonder if some Republicans are, because I think I'm very disappointed in a lot of Republicans. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we talked a lot about Tabor. We talked about spending. Um, they go hand in hand. And what, I th- what I'm seeing is that there's not so much a Democrat-Republican divide today as a big government, centralized, controlling, socialistic government versus the rest of us who want our freedom. We want to be left alone. Mm-hmm. Let us do. We'll follow the laws that are legal and, and appropriate and moral and ethical always. But leave us alone and stop taxing us to death. Stop regulating us to death. Let us do our thing. We're not out here to try and maim people or hurt people or steal their money. That doesn't make any sense to any one of us out in the, the real economy. Um, so I'm, I'm asking my friends to consider even Colorado Republicans who are big government Republicans. And by that I mean when you say here's a problem and their first answer is, oh, well, the government can fix I that. Know. I mean, you, you heard it with 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 our own guys you heard it with trump you know as much as i like what he's doing he's still missing the boat he wants to do child care who's, who's going to solve that problem the government I know. are you people nuts that was that was something that as i listened to the speech i'm like oh i i don't like that one but there was a lot that i liked in the speech uh, for sure when he gave the state of the union jay davidson we are just about out of time uh love these wow. conversations with you uh, and I think fast. it goes way too quickly. But to protect Tabor, I think that that is one of the things that we really need to focus on during this legislative session, uh, because I think there will be an assault. Instead of using the word taxes, they'll just use the word fees and try to get around it. And there's something disingenuous when politicians try to do that. So, Jay Davidson, First American State Bank, thank you so much. And we'll, we'll get you on, on a on regular basis. Thanks, Kim. Look okay. forward to it. Okay. Jason McBride over Presidential Wealth Management. When people hear economists and their forecasting, lots of folks roll their eyes. You know, that kind of has become a sport to roll your eyes at economists. And, uh, yeah, a lot of times that's deserved. A couple of my favorite uh, quotes about economists. One was, if economists are so smart, why are they always surprised by the numbers? (laughs) And that was Mike Huckabee. He popped that out on uh, Fox and Friends one morning, and I about fell on the floor. Uh, Another one I think is kind of funny that's truthful from an economist. He says the only function of economic forecasting is to make astrology look respectable. (laughs) And that was from John Kenneth Galbraith. He was also an economist. So, you know, it's interesting. As as, as far as uh, uh, investing your money... I feel it's more important to look at your own economy and your own account. Uh, Trying to uh, discern from the tea leaves what the price of tea in China is and what soybeans might be in Brazil and how gas prices in Venezuela might affect your investments, it's extremely difficult, uh, as the economists have proved. Even the experts can't predict it right. So... I just think it's more important to, to pay attention 
to what's happening with your own investments and make your decisions based on what is actually occurring rather than what some economists might believe could occur in some far corner of the world five or ten years from now. You know, Jason, that seems to make sense. So if people would like to kind of take a look at their own little economy, have another set of eyes on their economy, be sure and talk to the guys and gals over at Presidential Wealth Management. We have our own landing page. It's chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. So that way they will know that you know the AmeriChicks. And that phone number is 303-694-1600. 303-694-1600. Jason McBride, thank you so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. You betcha, Kim. Thank you. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best with well-priced, made-to-measure clothes that fit a busy lady's lifestyle. Gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Social media is important to the Americhicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. So be sure and check out our website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for our emails. We'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests, the topics, and important events. Uh, We are the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well, and we offer a conservatarian perspective. Thrilled to have in studio with us a friend, one of my most favorite millennials, Stephen Kessler, he has his doctorate in higher education from the University of Rochester. Stephen Kessler, welcome today. Thanks for having me, Kim. Let's jump into socialism. Socialism seems to be the darling of many millennials these days. And in fact, the young congresswoman from New York, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, is an avowed socialist. And there seems to be an affinity for this. What's your comment? Sure. So let's talk about socialism and we're going to talk about what exactly it is and where it really comes from so we can really get at the root of why it doesn't work and why we don't believe in it in this country. So the fundamental premise of socialism is Jean-Jacques Rousseau's negation of original sin. So Rousseau believed he was born in the, the early 1700s. He did all of his work in the mid to late 1700s. He died in some kind, sometime around 1780, but he is the godfather and patron saint of liberalism. Rousseau believed that we were born benevolent, naturally good, and pure, but, 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 we were corrupted by society. Evil comes not from within, but is introduced from without via society, and that by tinkering with society, we can get rid of evil altogether. Now, that's the most important premise in liberalism and the most important premise in his thought. That, however, is merely the surface. If we dig a little deeper, 
we understand that Rousseau said the following. The fundamental principle of all morality upon which I have reasoned in all my writings, and which I developed with all the clarity of which I am capable, is that man is a being who is naturally good, loving justice and order, that there is no original perversity in the human heart, and the first movements of nature are always good. Stephen, this is totally opposite, though, of what the founders of America thought, and they, they thought about original sin that... So it's it's totally opposite, right? Yes, correct. If you read through the Federalist Papers, you'll hear them talk about constantly talking about the corrupted and fallen nature of man, as well as the fact that man is capable of both good and evil, which is an ethical dualism. And that's the classical way of, um, you know, the classical mode of thought about man's nature. Fallen from original sin, plus the capability of doing great good. The, you know, the uh, the figurative angel on this shoulder and the figurative devil on this shoulder. Rousseau? No devil, just the angel and society. Well, how would Rousseau explain that under socialism in the last century, that, that government entities killed more individuals than ever in the history of mankind? How would he explain that? So I actually think he would be appalled by it. Edmund Burke, who was his foil in the 1700s, talks about that in Reflections on the Revolution in France, that they used Rousseau's philosophy to enact the French Revolution, and they were cutting people's heads off and parading them around with pi- on pikes, you know, people's heads on sticks. He says in Reflections that he thinks Rousseau would actually be appalled by this. But I think it's important to understand, I want to get into a little bit more about this notion of corrupted by society and how it, can affect, and how it affects socialism today. Okay. So Rousseau had this theory. We were living in, in this state of nature. Man was living in utopia. And then suddenly society ensued, and with that ensuant society, our corruption began. Now, how did society exactly ensue from the state of nature, which, by the way, has never been substantiated? Nobody can ever say, oh, yeah, state of nature, uh, Detroit, 1972, great year for the state of nature. Mm -hmm. There is no state of nature that can be proven. So he said the following, the first man who having enclosed a piece of ground, bethought himself of saying, this is mine. The first guy who acquiesced private property, who said, mine. That is when society began, and with it, our corruption. And he also says something, he goes, the moment one man began to stand in the need of help of one another, from the moment it appeared advantageous to any one man to have enough provisions for two, equality disappeared, property was introduced, and work became indispensable. And you'll note that he says work became indispensable. Now, what was the punishment for original sin? In the Garden of Eden? Yeah. yeah. It was work. Labor, yeah. And he says that it wasn't necessary, which is just false. You know, we just don't believe in that idea. And so he believes that, number one, private property is the cause of society, which is the cause of our disruption, or our just, um, corruption. And that, number two, labor is not necessary to man's constitution. So if you want to know why the socialists hate private property, it's because private property is the cause of society, and they hate, and they believe society is the cause of our problems in the world. Okay, just a question, because sure. a lot of the politicians sure. that are advocating uh, for socialism, they like their own private property, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there's two questions. There's actually three questions I always ask liberals. One of them, do you have any skin in the game? 
because if you have no skin in the game, it's no skin off your back. And so they have fences. They have private property. And what they're saying just doesn't apply to them. It applies to everyone else. But wait, I thought that, that under socialism, they're advocating for equality, that everybody is, is treated the same. So why is it that they think that they are, don't have to adhere to the rules? So Thomas Sowell has a point or has a phrase called the vision of the anointed, that these people have eaten from the tree of knowledge in the Garden of Eden and, aha, they are now in possession of super secret special knowledge that the rest of us idiots lack. And, that's be- and they are better than us. They exist on a higher moral and spiritual plane than the rest of us. And we plebeians, we, you know, swinish multitude, we need to get out of their way and let them implement things so that they can bring us utopia. Stephen, this is so different than what I understand of our founders. Now, they've been given a bad rap. They have been called landowners, that they were using uh, the political uh, clout that they had to make sure that they were able to keep their private property and, and try to make them look at as um, you know greedy old white men. When in essence, I don't think that people understand that they actually put all that on the line because I think that they believed in the individual. I think they they didn't look at everyone as the unwashed masses. They looked at themselves as equal, I think, in the sight of God. Sure. So Russell Kirk, who's a famous historian, founder of the conservative movement, says that the conservative strives for two types of equity, equality before the law and equality in the eyes before God, equal judgment before God. We don't want equity after the fact. And that's something President LBJ was big on. He was like, he was the most contemporary of equality after the law forcing us to be equals. And so the liberals believe in the natural equity of man, as I said before, that we are naturally equals. And so what they're attempting to do is to restore the natural equity of man. Now, it's important to understand Edmund Burke, once again, who was the foil to Rousseau, was real firm on this idea that we are not equals. We are born first and foremost into families. And in the family unit, we learn of the just hierarchies in the world, that we are, you know, parents are up top, and children at the bottom, and that this, this is something we're supposed to be socialized into at a very young age. So what I really want to talk to you about when it comes to equity is question number two that I always ask liberals. Are we bringing people up or are we yanking people down? When we bring people up, it's a good thing. But when we yank them down, it's the hallmark of the emotion of envy. When it's not about me rising, but you falling... It's not about me winning, but about you losing. And it's not about me having what it is you have, but about you not having it at all. That's envy. And so that's what it comes down to with socialism. If you really, you know, dig into the nuts and bolts, it's less about the poor rising and it's more about the rich just not having it. And so that's why Winston Churchill refers to socialism or referred, may he rest in peace, as the politics of envy. Well, envy does nothing for someone's soul. And we're seeing, we're seeing that playing out in the divisiveness that's occurring in America today. Uh, and, you know, Stephen, I think that this has been percolating for a while because there's been the narrative out there that if someone is successful, 
they must have taken it from someone else. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things, I'm not an economist, but one of the things I've learned from Thomas Sowell, to bring his name up again, is that the liberals often have a zero-sum conception of economics, that every dollar earned by the rich is a dollar stolen from the poor. And so it's, it's all about taking things away from the rich and yanking them down. But in doing so, then this creates government programs, which the elite are so smart to run. And they make sure that they take their cut as the money goes by, as they've taken from, quote unquote, the rich. And they take their money as the money goes by. And many times you're seeing instead of uh, a problem being solved, then let's take homelessness, for example. Sure. The, the more that socialists become involved with this, uh, the, the more homelessness that we have. But these elite are living off of this problem. And so they want to perpetuate that instead of helping people. Yeah. Um, the government is bad at everything they do. And they're not helping anyone but themselves. And they're masking it as human compassion. And, you know, Stephen, the other thing, it's not just really the government. And, okay, I have to ask, is there anything that you think the government does that's good? The military. Okay. Periodically. So here's the deal. Edmund Burke once said that they who mean to do well should fear doing ill. Burke was a big believer that the government cannot do good, but the government can really only prevent the harm. There's a term for it. It's called the cobra effect. It's when people actively attempt to do good but somehow end up making things worse. It's a guy named Horst Siebert. He was a German, uh, I don't know if he's still alive or not, but German sociologist or anthropologist. And that the government is really only capable of preventing the harm. We can't actively pass positive legislation to make things better because it almost always backfires. Okay, let's hold that thought. We're going to go to break. But where, I, I want to ask where we went from representatives uh, of the people in our government to where we call them lawmakers, because I'm not sure that we need a whole bunch more laws. So Stephen Kessler, let's go to break. When we come back, I'd like you to unpack that for us. Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick and accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financial options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now, so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure that you're making the right financial choice for you and your family. 303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today. 303-888-2732. Welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out our website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for our emails. We'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests, topics, and important events. And we are the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. We offer a conservatarian perspective. We have in studio with us Stephen Kessler. He is a millennial. He has his uh, doctorate in higher education from the University of Rochester. 
And he has a number of published pieces that I think you would really enjoy reading. And you can find them at thevogelinview.com. That's thevogelinview.com. It's V-O-E-G-E-L-I-N-View.com. As we went to break, uh, I had mentioned that I think that there are a number of people that get elected. And instead of being representatives, as, as instead of looking at themselves as representatives of the people, they look at themselves as uh, lawmakers. And uh, it seems to me, Stephen Kessler, that socialists can use law to try to control the people. They come in and they, they make decisions, they make laws that in essence they think will help people, but in essence it hurts people and it solidifies control with the lawmakers instead of making sure that we're getting the power back to the people, which was the vision of the American idea and the founders based really on Edmund Burke. Sure. So it's based on the natural law theory tradition. So the natural law tradition is this belief that God or nature, whatever you choose to believe, ordained the world around us with a law, the natural law. And that's the law of human nature. It's the law of science, things like gravity, things of that nature. And we cannot control that. And the government's job is not to give us new laws, is not to create the positive for us, but is merely to preserve the God-given natural rights. And that Friedrich Hayek once said, for those of you that don't know, Friedrich Hayek was, I think he was Austrian. He's an economist. Uh, He wrote The Road to Serfdom, Mm -hmm. which is a very popular book. Totally changed Ronald Reagan when he read that. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh That man did not invent the law. We merely invented legislation. And that positive legislation actively trying to shape the world around us often backfires and that what they're really here to do is to preserve our God-given rights, but unfortunately many of them have lost sight of that. Well, Stephen, it seems like with the elites in socialism, it is the elites and then the unwashed masses. And they, they make the case that they want to help people, and that is how they get elected. But in essence, whatever it seems like whatever problem they tackle... Instead of it going away, it seems like they should be working themselves out of a job if, in fact, they are tackling a problem. But instead, when government gets involved, the problem gets worse. And I am actually naming these as the homelessness industrial complex, the affordable housing industrial complex. Anything that it seems like they become involved in, the problem gets worse But yet these politicians, these bureaucrats that are in charge of these programs continue to have more power and get more money. So one of the things I want to articulate has to do with human nature. Modern neuroscience has taught us that man is not rational and logical, but rather we as human beings are emotional. We're illogical. And so anytime we try to dictate things via a formula, we say, hey, you know, if we do A squared plus B squared, we'll get C squared. We try to dictate human nature, human action with formulas. It backfires because we're wildly irrational. And we cannot make these things, you know, we cannot make human beings. As Adam Smith, the famous economist, once said, we cannot try to arrange the human beings like we do the pieces on a chessboard, to paraphrase. And so that's really what happens is they have these ideas and strategies and they say, if we do A, then we'll get B. And what happens? We do A and we do not get B. We get the color brown. Things, you know, things just don't work as we choose and want them too often. 
Well, and ultimately it, it hurts people. But let's let's talk a little bit about this. Socialists have have used the uh, politics of envy, if you will. You had mentioned that. Yes. Whereas if the idea that somebody has gotten rich because they have tromped on people on the way up is antithetical to the real idea of free markets, entrepreneurism, capitalism in its true state, which means that if I come up with an idea and if I work hard and this is a and, and create something of value for other people, they will voluntarily give their hard-earned dollars for whatever it is, the product or service that I'm providing. And if I do that really, really well, then I'm going to get rich. Mm-hmm. Milton Friedman has a great little video on the Internet about him explaining a pencil. He's sitting there and he's holding a pencil and he says, the graphite was mined you know, here, the rubber was mined, was whatever, I don't know how they make rubber, but in Malaysia... And that from rubber trees, from, yeah. from rubber trees, they mine the rubber trees. No, they don't. But um, from the rubber trees in Malaysia and that so many people had to collaborate to make this one seemingly insignificant pencil. And everyone did so at their own benefit to profit that that's how capitalism really works. But I want to read to you a little bit from Publius uh, Federalist number five. OK, you know, do do the Federalists want equity? Do they believe that human beings should be tried and made more equal? And they say in number five, yet what human contrivance can secure the continuance of such equality? That um, those who have erroneously supposed that by reducing mankind to a perfect equality in their political rights, they would at the same time be perfectly equalized and assimilated in their possessions, their opinions, and their passions. And that we can't do that. We just can't make the inequitable world of life equitable. Because any attempt, those who attempt a level never do. They merely pervert the natural order, as Edmund Burke said. We do not want equality in the world outside of the law and outside of judgment before God. Okay, I'm going to bring this back down to, and simplify it just a little bit. As you were talking about that, it made me think of group projects in education. If you put together a group and you tell them that they're going to work together, and they are going to earn their grade. What I normally have seen is that there's a couple people that do all the work, and then the balance of the people don't. The free rider. The free riders, but yet they all get the same grade. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, when this plays out, those that work the most actually kind of get a little frustrated with the free riders. Sure. So it's a sense of resentment. Um, in John Hyde's book, The Righteous Mind, Why, Politi- Why Good People Are Divided by Politics and Religion, it's a real popular book, real easy read, but very brilliant. He talks about how conservatives and liberals differ on their notion of equity, that the liberals tend to want more equitable results, where the conservatives are about proportionality, fairness, and that it really grinds the conservatives' gears for the free rider problem. Well, it grinds my uh, gears as well. Mm-hmm. because and, and that is another thing in society then for equality. Let's talk about... Mm, l- let's talk about retirement for people. Sure. So let's say 40 years ago, person A, you know, worked 15, 16 hours a day. They, they gave up, you know, maybe skiing, maybe hiking, you know, things that we, we truly enjoy, but they gave those things up and they built a business, 
and they are making more money, they're in a higher income tax bracket, if you will, than somebody over here that made a different choice not to work as hard. But then they get to retirement, and there is this narrative out there that we need to take from this person that has paid into the system, paid a lot more in Social Security, paid a lot more in taxes, and we need to even take more from them to equalize out their retirement. And ultimately, that plays out that the person that has worked so hard is really penalized and doesn't get to reap the rewards of all that they've done. Sure. So philosophically, one of the issues going on is that the liberals believe, once again, in the natural goodness of man corrupted by society. They believe that society is an arbitrary social construct. It's complete nonsense that is you know, predicated on, that is inequitably structured, I'm sorry, to favor white, male, able-bodied, cisgendered, heterosexuals. These people, people like me, white men, and to a lesser extent you, who's a white woman, we are successful because we step on the heads and shoulders of others, or as the Marxist term du jour, people of color. If we rearrange society, we'll take that advantage away, and these people of color will be able to rise up. And so that's what it's really all about, and they'll restore our natural equity doing it. That they believe that all of these advantages that the rich have over the poor are societally gained. Oh my gosh, but Stephen Kessler, America is a place where everyday people with hard work can actually rise above all of this. You know, my story is such that my grandmother grew up in a two-room sod house on the plains of western Kansas with seven brothers and sisters. Now think about it. They were dirt poor, if you will, because they were living in a sod house. And it was really because of of capitalism and and hard work that her granddaughter uh, gets to reap the benefits that we have here and now. Sure. So number one, who wants to work? It's hard. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. I mean, who wants to do that when I can have stuff for free? Number two has to do with the real difference in how liberals and conservatives view the human condition. Remember, the fallen and tragic nature of man is what the conservatives view. The liberals, because society is the cause of our problems, by reordering society, we can really fix the evils of the world. And so the liberals don't believe that the human condition is tragic. You know, that that there will be people who are poor out there. Not everyone is poor because they're a victim of society. Some are poor because, unfortunately, there was a tornado that ripped through the town and it hit one and only one house. That unfortunately, for some reason, my crops didn't grow this year. That maybe I made a bad choice in restraint or maybe I was just made, you know, maybe I invested in the Zoom. Maybe I invested in the Zoom. Maybe I banked all my money on Hillary winning and I lost because of that. And so they don't believe that there's a certain tragic nature to the human condition. Whereas the conservatives do and they're much more accepting of certain things. Okay, Stephen Kessler, we are out of time today. We've got to continue to talk about these important ideas. Stephen Kessler, give us our quote for today. Sure. So it's a quote from Edmund Burke, the original conservative, in 1797 in his Letters on a Regicide piece. It is the common doom of man that he must eat his bread by the sweat of his brow. That is, by the sweat of his body or the sweat of his mind. Every attempt to fly from it and to refuse the very terms of our existence becomes much more truly a curse. Okay, well, this is the American Stephen Kessler. Thank you so much. Be sure to read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well. 
Live honestly and authentically. Strive for high ideals. And like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson signing off. God bless you and God bless America. And I don't want no one to cry, but tell them.